0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life
1: Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan Cox teaches on motherhood being significant. Beautiful. I I wanted to take just a minute before she comes today and um, just address Mother's Day from a pastor's heart. um, I'm involved in forums online and Um, There's this consensus leading up to Mother's Day, Father's Day, just about any day, but especially those couple of days um, where we try to shape the day in a way that somehow shows honor to mothers, but in a way keeps anyone from feeling any pain or hurt on that day. Now, I want to be sensitive To everywhere, every feeling and every emotion and every place that you are. But I also want to be a pastor that tells the truth. And I, I, I listen to these. I mean, there's like 50 different ways we can honor mothers according to these forms in a way that honors them, but like somehow does it in a way where no one feels less than if they've had any struggles in that area of their life. That would be all well and good if we weren't at the same time attempting to worship a God that created us and formed us intentionally on purpose to accomplish the desires of our heart. See, if I get up here today and if I find a way to make sure that everyone's feelings are safeguarded and they're just not provoked to feel any differently, then I have become complicit in everyone remaining exactly where they were when they came here today. And I don't know what better day to be healed of the scars of motherhood than Mother's Day. I understand that there are people in this room on this Mother's Day who have lost children. My kids bought my wife arrows for Mother's Day this year. We're gonna put them on a wall where we have all their pictures and arrows and all this stuff and so they all got a distinct arrow that represents them and gave them to her last night at dinner and these two arrows are our two babies. That we never got to meet. But we didn't lose. These are our two babies who never felt the sting of rejection, hurt, pain. They never had to wrestle with sin or struggle through. A lot of the emotions we have to struggle to, through. These babies, we were faithful. We were obedient. We subjected ourselves to the plans of God. And even through hurt and pain, we received the call, the charge to carry these babies. Shahan did. And we didn't end up carrying them the way we thought we were going to carry them. We didn't end up getting to raise them the way we thought that we were going to raise them But we partnered with God to create these lives. We have a believing um, obstetrician who told us he really believes, and I just love it, bears witness with me, that the army that's coming with Jesus is going to be made up of these babies. They have a purpose. They have a plan. And we partner with God to fulfill his purpose and his plan through them. And so we've made an army in heaven. And a lot of the things we're battling with here on earth, they're going to be part of the army that comes and puts those things down. So, we've sowed into our future. We've sowed into our victory. We've sowed into our triumph. We've sowed into the kingdom through our faithfulness and through our availability to be a vessel that God could use to bring forth life. And so, babies that have been, I don't even use the word lost, because they were never lost, God knew exactly where they were every moment. Because we were faithful. He sent them and let us break, give them life with him. And then he took them to do the work he has for them. I know it hurts. I know there's pain. I told Johann I wanted to share this and I said maybe you should because it seems more insensitive for me as a man who can't possibly know the pain. But I can't deny the apostolic... Vision that I have in the kingdom to see what's really going on. And I have to tell you what's really going on. And what's really going on is you didn't lose, you won, and you were faithful. There's people in this room that have aborted babies, you've aborted babies. You can't possibly know, Pastor, I have aborted a baby. What about that? God's bigger than your choice. He's redeemed your choice. He's taken that baby that you've aborted, and you're going to see that baby riding on a horse one day, coming and making war for you, because God's redeemed your choice. He's bigger than all our mistakes. He's bigger than all our problems. He's bigger than all of our bad choices. He's bigger. He's bigger. And you need to release that today. You need to release that today. Some of you have children, and you've tried to have more children. And the grief of not being able to have more children or losing more children has robbed you of being a mother to the children you have. It's time to be healed. It's time to be the mom God made you to be. Some of you may not even be able to have children, and that's what the declaration has been made. Well, I've never lost a child. I'm not even able to conceive a child. If it's in your heart to mother a child, I believe God will make provision for you to mother a child. He doesn't give us desires and then squash us and not let them be realized. It may look different than you think. It may not. It may look exactly like you think. Some of you might have to repaint that pink nursery for a nine-year-old boy. But if it's in your heart to be a mother, God will send you a son or a daughter if you'll mother them. We've seen countless, Jahan herself has prayed for so many wombs to be open. People, that they said it was impossible to have children. And we've seen so many people have children, they said it was impossible to have children. And there's some we've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and it doesn't seem like they're still not being able to have children. Some of them have opened their home and taken in foster children, and some of them have taken in adopted children. But God has made a way, but we have to be healed. So what's really going on is if you're a mom, if God put it in your heart to be a mom, you're a mom. Your circumstances don't change what God has created you to be. Your situation doesn't change what God put in you to be. And so I want to honor moms in just a minute. But before we honor the moms that we all know are moms that got 27,000 children like Jahan. <laughs> and the moms that everybody's like, yeah, I know their mom. Mom. What about me? I don't get to be acknowledged today. You know, we act like it's all pity and, you know, charity and sympathy. Oh, yeah, you can stand up with the moms. We know you're like a mom. has nothing to do with it. You are a mom. You are a mom. I was praying about delivering this today. You know what? Nisi is a mom. Why don't we see ourselves rightly today? And why don't we be healed of every lying voice that slanders and says we're not a mom? And so this is going to take a little bit of boldness right now, and I'm cutting into Jahan's time. This is exactly opposite of everything the forums say to do. (laughs) But if the forums tell us how to acknowledge everybody who's okay and leave all the people that are hurting hurting and don't do anything to kind of help them get from a place of hurting to a place of wholeness, then I think the forums are all wrong. So I think All of us, if you got 27 children, I think you're probably the first one to raise your hand and say, I would prefer us take this day and let's bring some people who the enemy is slandering and telling them they're not moms and let them see themselves how they really are and don't cheer for me, don't give me another planter, let's get some moms healed today. So that's who I want to talk to for a minute. Sometimes the thoughts I have are so contrary to what I think I'm supposed to do that I like, I gotta be stupid. (laughs) But if you have been lied to about who you are as a mom. Today's a day to be healed. And so, if you're in this room today, and you've lost children, you've aborted children, for any reason you seem, and the enemy tells you you're not a mom, you're not worthy to be a mom, all your circumstances don't declare that you're a mom, but it's in your heart to be a mom. Can you stand up this morning? Can you stand up this morning? Can you stand up this morning? I love that you honor them but that's not why they're standing. Thank you for clapping for them, but that's not why they're standing. Karen, will you stand up, please? (laughs) Tiffany, will you come stand? Just come stand. Maybe you've already got children. You already know you're a mom, and it seems weird to even stand up like Tiffany, but you've tried to have more children and you think you're supposed to have more children and then this and this and this and there's some confusion and lies that come in there with that and you think somehow something disqualifies you from being more of a mom that you thought you were supposed to be. Can you stand up? Anybody seems any discredited on any point of being a mother. Nisi, will you stand up? Anybody that just, it's in your heart to be a mom. It may not even be time yet, but it's in your heart to be a mom. I want today you to start seeing yourself as a mom. So maybe you haven't lost a child. Maybe you haven't done any of these things, but you know you want to be a mom. And you want to start seeing yourself rightly. You want to go into the time when it's to be a mom, knowing who you are, when you stand up. Everybody that just, you know, I'm just made to be a mom. I'm created to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. Come on. Can somebody stand with every person that's standing? Somebody go right now, quick. Let's get to every person that's standing. Two or three of you, if you can. Come on, let's just get to everybody who's standing. Other moms, anybody, men, it's fine. Women, let's support everybody who's standing right now. Man, I just I, I I just through heaven's gaze I just see this just this just anointing, this just glory of motherhood just coming today and just resting on you. Just this just glory of motherhood is just coming right here, young lady. I'm so sorry. Someone stand with this young lady right here, please. God is not, we're not talking about, this is not another prayer for your circumstance to change. This is a prayer for you to change. Your heart to open. Before your womb opens, your heart needs to open. Before your home opens, your heart needs to open. I don't know if God's going to open your womb or tell you to open your home. I don't know what it is. But if the desire is there, I believe God's put it there, and he's going to be faithful to heal you today. John's going to sing over you. A song she wrote after one of our miscarriages. And this isn't a a, a warm, fuzzy, let's all feel better. This is, we're going to make a confession about who God is today. And we're going to stand firm with who He is. And we're going to walk with it. We're going to walk with it in authority. John did such a marvelous job Wednesday night. we got to change the way that we think. The difference between David and Saul was not their circumstances. They all had, they had the same army, the same problem, the same enemy, the same everything. But David saw himself differently than Saul did. And I believe you're going to see yourself as the mom God has called you to be today. And you're going to walk with more confidence in it. Those of you that don't have children but you know you're called to be a mom, you're going to walk with more confidence in it than you ever have before. Sing over them, Jahan.
2: Every word comes to the Pray over them, folks. Pray, the pray with those you're
1: standing with.
2: Falls to the ground without a sound. I won't listen. Every voice. SHUT yeah. yeah.
0: I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do anything after that, but it's fine. It will be fine. I mean, I'm let's just go. Are we good? Can we just go? <laughs> oh, darn it! <laughs> um, I pray today that what the Lord has given me will speak to female, male teenager alike, but I would be foolish to ignore my assignment to call to mothers today, and I absolutely intend to do that, but I need those of you that are men (laughs) to be metaphorical today and just feel it in whatever (laughs) your assignment is, okay? (laughs) If you're a dad, absolutely applies to you. If you're not a dad, you're something. You do something, (laughs) If you don't, we should talk after church, but you do something that has significance and purpose, and really what I want to address, yes, I'm going to call it motherhood. I'm going to talk about the significance of motherhood today, but outside of uh, your role as mother, all of you were created with significance, all of you were created with purpose, and you crave that whether you want to or not some of you tried to dumb that down some of you are miserable because you're ignoring purpose some of you feel hopeless because you're ignoring purpose not trying to call you out today <laughs> but the deal is god didn't make you on accident and when he put something in you he meant for it to come alive and wake up and come to fruition in your life and i don't care if that is being the janitor at the Blunt Memorial Hospital Center, or being a stay at home mom, or being a really good, I was going to say less nice expression. We'll, let's go with really good <laughs> businesswoman, or man, or someone who carries influence in that capacity. They're all the same in God's eyes if it's your purpose. Yes. Amen. I love what uh, a spiritual mentor of mine told me when I was younger and really wrestling. I was probably in my mid-20s, and I was at home full-time. And I had three in school and two babies, one walking, one not. And she was really fussy. I'm not going to say her name today. <laughs> but she knows who she is. And I'll never forget her walking into my bedroom at 18 months old and Michael saying, I'm sure glad we kept you. You're so cute now. I remember the other babies being like, why does she cry all the time? And I was like, I don't know. If I knew, I would shut her up. But I was in the throngs of motherhood, and I I had all these dreams of... Singing and leading and writing and recording and doing other things, you know I dreamed of being a mom ever since I was a teenager I dreamed of being a mom, dreamed of being a wife Knew I was called to ministry And really that was kind of like the pinnacle of my dream life You know, mom, ministry, wife and there I was in the middle of mom, ministry, wife And wasn't feeling so great I was like, what is wrong with me? I wanted this Why do I want to run away? <laughs> And a spiritual mentor of mine said, no matter how big, no matter how small the platform is, the reward is the same. Jesus is the reward. So whatever it is you have your hand to today, if you're a mom, I'm going to talk real specifically to you. But whatever it is you have your hand to today, do it with all your heart and do it because your reward is Jesus. If nobody knows your name, nobody knows you did it, nobody knows you were there, nobody saw you, there's never a plaque to honor what you did. He sees it, and he's the reward. And I promise you he's worth it. I promise you he's worth your best. I want us to look at the word significant when I was in prayer about what to share with you today. Thank you. Um. The Lord said to me, significant, I want you to talk about being significant. So I said, okay, let's look that up because I love definitions. My cohort in crime, Tiffany, is my definition queen with me. Significance, the quality of being worthy of attention. I got real excited when I read that. I I joke with my friends, I have really high self-worth. I know you would never imagine that about me, but I don't have a problem loving me. I have a problem loving other people. I'm just trying to be uh, vulnerable and honest. And so when the Lord said significant, I was like, oh, you're talking about me. (laughs) And he was like, "Uh uh-huh, and? (laughs) And? It's fine. I know he only laughs and is sarcastic with me. No one else in the room. (laughs) Never does he ever correct you with a sarcastic word. But he does me. And so I was like, oh, I'm worthy of attention. And he was like, and? And so the Lord began to take me to some women in scripture who I believe he found significant. Some of them, they're named. Some of them are unnamed, but they made the book. I was like, well, I mean, I guess I'd take that if my name wasn't in there, but I got in the book, you know, right? So um, the first one I want to talk to you about this morning is Yochabed. Please don't name your children that. It's just not okay at all, Jochebed. Um Jacobed is Moses' mother, and most of us celebrate her because of her one amazing child, um, Jochebed was a mother and she was also a midwife. I don't know if you know this about Jochebed, but she was one of the women who was responsible to uh, actually they were in hiding in a secret location if you will. The order had been decreed from Pharaoh to kill all the babies two and younger because he was afraid the Israelites were going to get too strong and too powerful. So he made a decree to Pharaoh. The Pharaoh made a decree for the infants to be killed and She aligned herself with the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of earth, and she was one of the midwives that would be in the birthing room and make sure those babies lived. We know her as Moses' mom, but she had three children. She had Miriam and she had Aaron. And what I didn't realize, you know, you read the Bible and you're like, why did all the movies not do that right? It, it, it's like they just take it and chuck it out and go, that's great, but I'm going to show you my version of the story. I have this picture of Moses in this basket, like, on a river rampage ride. <laughs> Does anyone else have that picture in your mind? <laughs> Prince of Egypt, yes. <laughs> like, I'm 15, well I was 16. That's actually the first movie Michael ever took me to because I was 16. And I was like, oh, take me to see a cartoon. And he obliged. (laughs) Raise your head up. I grew up. (laughs) Thank you for taking me to see the Prince of Egypt. (laughs) Anyways, I remember being in the movie being like, oh my gosh, I did not know that Moses went on the river rampage. That is... (laughs) The most awesome miracle. This baby did not come out of the basket. He did not drown. He went on the ride of his life. That's how I saw it. That is not what scripture says happened. It's not in there. I was at McAllister's the other day, and I was like, I almost threw something. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I've been lied to for 36 years. No, I just never read the Bible. (laughs) Anyways... There's Miriam and there's Aaron. Miriam and Aaron are the older siblings of Moses. Miriam is the sister who took Moses in the basket. And the scripture says she did not put him on the river rampage ride. Miriam placed him in the bulrushes. She placed him securely in the bulrushes where he would be hid. And she waited. And we don't know how long Miriam waited. But she waited until Pharaoh's daughter and her maidens came down to the river to take a bath. No river rampage. Nothing at all like a river rampage. I was very disappointed, and then I was also like, God, that was a much better idea. I mean, (laughs) I did think that was a little bit cruel, you know, like, let's just test how safe we can keep Moses. But anyways... Miriam is the older sister who stood for we don't know how long and made sure Moses was safe. Without Miriam, there is no Moses. See, we do this in society, and we really do it really well in religion. We highlight and we celebrate the people who are seen, the people who God puts right in the front, but we don't recognize the Miriams who made sure Moses grew up. This is so amazing to me. Miriam waits for we don't know how long, and Pharaoh's daughter and the maidens come, and they find Moses in the basket. And she, of course, has pity on the child. She knows it's a Hebrew child. The Scripture says she acknowledges this is a Hebrew baby, that she knows her father has said kill, and she decides it's in her authority to override that. And the little girl, knowing that Pharaoh's daughter has found him and she's picked him up and she's looking lovingly on the child, Miriam steps out and says, Would you like me to go find a Hebrew woman to nurse him? Well, Miriam knew which Hebrew woman to go get. (laughs) Miriam goes back and says, Mom, not only is Moses safe, But Pharaoh's daughter wants a Hebrew woman to nurse him. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they nursed their children back then until at least three years of age. So we find a mom who the Bible says when she saw Moses, she saw him and she hid him. She didn't write a book that changed history. She didn't invent a business. She didn't go out and toil and labor and make a name for herself. She saw who her child was and what he carried, and she protected him. And we know nothing else about Jacob's life except for the ten verses that are in Exodus 2, 1 through 10, except for she saw what he carried. She sent another of her seed, Miriam, and said, and this, bl- this blows my mind, we don't know how old Miriam is, but she trusted Miriam. She trusted Miriam with the life of her son. A mother who can see, I know who you really are. I call to your greatness, and I know you may not feel ready, but his life depends on it, and I trust you'll carry the assignment to completion. Now take your baby, brother, and watch him until he's safe. And she hit it out of the park. And she came home and said, Mom, not only do we get to keep him, not only is he going to live, but you get to nurse him. Which meant Jochebed got to spend the first three, at least, years nursing him and calling to his real identity. So before she sent him, before she took him back to Pharaoh's house, she made sure Moses knew who he was. And he may have only been three in his mind, but his spirit knew. Jacobed was mother to Miriam, Moses, and to Aaron. Aaron was the one who went in with Moses when Moses said, I can't speak, I'm not able, I'm not qualified, I'll mumble all over myself. And Aaron is the founder, if you will, of the priesthood. He's the one that goes in with Moses and makes declaration of what God has said. He's the one that holds Moses' arms up in battle when Moses is too tired and he can't do it. See, without Aaron and without Miriam, there is no Moses. And Jochebed spent all of her life not raising one, not two, but three nation changers. Three who delivered is Israel out of the hand of Egypt. When you read the scriptures and it talks about those that delivered, you'll find Miriam and Aaron interlaced in every story. In every story. So moms, don't just celebrate the one who's an obvious leader. Don't just celebrate the one that you see leading and is charismatic and comes out with all that he or she is with ease and comfort. They need a Miriam. Don't relegate, this one's going to do something, and this one we're going to tolerate and put up with, or they'll serve in some behind-the-scenes capacity. And we don't say it that harshly, but we, in our mind, we've partnered with, this one's the significant one, and the others are just, you know, live in the shadow and in the light of. But if a mother refuses to partner with that, the children will refuse to partner with that. Miriam knew, you're alive because I made sure you didn't die. (laughs) Aaron knew, bro, you'd be dead if I didn't hold your arms up. And the whole army would be dead because you got tired. Guess who held up your arms? (laughs) I know you got to put the staff in the water and all, but you couldn't even talk to Pharaoh. I had to talk for you. Moses's need Miriam's and Aaron's in their lives. They have to have them. So raise everyone with incredible intentionality and purpose. You're no more significant than the other. You're no more significant than the other. You're equally significant. Yours may manifest in putting a rod in water and parting the sea, and yours may manifest in holding up the man's arms that puts the rod in the water and parts the sea, but you are equally significant. And i got to teach you guys to work together. And that is the assignment that will kill us all. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So, I love this. I I never saw this before, but when you look at Hannah, no, not Hannah, Elizabeth. Let's fast forward. We're going to whoop to Luke chapter 1, from Exodus to Luke. And we find, that's a little bit of a fast forward. We find Elizabeth who is aged in years, who, from what I understand in reading the story, she's not the one that petitioned for a son as much as Zacharias was, because his lineage depended on it. He has to have a son. He has to have someone to carry on his DNA. So without John the Baptist, without whomever they would birth, their family line dies. And when the angel appears to Zacharias, he said, I've heard your petition." And I have to imagine that Elizabeth, while she clearly is on board for the assignment, she does hide for five months. (laughs) She's probably like, now? Now? Like, when I'm old? Really, we're going to do this now, when I'm old? (laughs) She was normal, just like us. I mean, we read the scripture, and we're like, she was probably so excited, and she was probably just thrilled to be old and pregnant. (laughs) I'm thinking she might have been a little irritated about the timing of the Lord. I think she could have been a little embarrassed, and that's why she hid herself for five months. Like, how am I going to break the news? I am 82 and pregnant.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, I had a hard time at 36 saying, yes, number eight. Yes, yes. Yes, they're all mine. Yes. She's going, 82, yep, now's the time. We're going to do this. This is so cool to me. Hannah is from the tribe of Aaron. Hannah is the seed of Jacobed. Jacobed's influence was bigger than her life. It was bigger than her three. It reached all the way forward into promise. And birthed a grandson who would prophesy and declare and turn the heart of a nation again to freedom. That's a powerful woman. Ten verses. That's all we got. Ten. Ten. And she did nothing grand except be a mom. All she did was steward the three God gave her. And amazingly enough, she stewarded a whole generation to make sure they wouldn't die out too. Some of you are moms with occupations. Some of you are not just moms. You have occupations. And God wants to use you in your occupation to bring life to a generation. Teachers, nurses, Walmart, doesn't matter. So here we have Elizabeth, and Elizabeth gives... Elizabeth gives birth in her elderly years to John the Baptist. We know John the Baptist to be a little bit strange and weird, to eat locusts and honey and wear camel hair. And you think your child's weird. (laughs) You have nothing on Elizabeth. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Well, my child eats dirt. My child ate bugs. (laughs) He wore animal hair on purpose. Not as a costume, not for Halloween, every day, all day. My question to you, in line with the assignment of Elizabeth, all Elizabeth did, all we know Elizabeth for is raising John the Baptist. All Elizabeth did was let John be weird. Some of you got weird kids. I mean, I mean that with all the love and affection in my heart, but you got weird kids. They don't fit in. They're strange. They see everything differently. They refuse to sit down when everyone else is compliant and cool and chill. It's like, absolutely not. They don't match the chart when you go to the pediatrician's office. Well, he's supposed to be saying this by now. Sorry, he doesn't. He's supposed to be doing this by now. Sorry, she doesn't. All Hannah did was let John be weird. She, All Elizabeth did, Hannah, she had a different assignment. We'll talk about her in a minute. Why do I want Hannah and Elizabeth? Oh, because that's your name. Hello. My sister's name is Hannah Elizabeth. I really want the two people to be the same right now in my mind, but they're not. They're not the same person. I do, I do know that much about the Bible. Elizabeth understood my child must be consecrated. You see, when the angel spoke to Zacharias, he gave instructions. He's to have no strong drink. He's to be consecrated. He's going to be a prophet. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. That meant she had a responsibility to keep John consecrated until John grew to a place where he understood, I must now consecrate myself. She had a responsibility. No, you're not going to do things like the world does the things. You're going to be different. You're going to be raised in the wilderness, in the hill country, away from culture and away from society. And you're going to learn now to lean in and know the voice of God. And mom had to be okay with that. Any moms know what it's like to go to a birthday party and you've got the weird kid? Just me? Okay. You've got the one that no one invites because they're too much. Maybe you're raising someone who's peculiar and set apart and consecrated and not supposed to look like, act like, be like, anything like any other child you've ever seen because of the assignment on their life. And instead of apologizing for that, instead of tiptoeing backward and being careful with what you declare, declare what Elizabeth declared. He will be a prophet to the nations. She boldly told him who he was. She was not afraid to tell him who he was. So bold, in fact, when they came in to name him, it was custom of the day that the father named the child after the father, after the family line. Well, Zacharias had been muted because he was arguing with the angel in doubt and disbelief. And God said, this identity is so important. I'm going to shut your mouth until you get an agreement with who I've said about who John the Baptist is. So they come in at eighth day when you're supposed to circumcise the baby. And they say, Elizabeth, what's his name? And she says, John. And they cock their heads and say, no, don't you mean Zacharias? It's in there. Read it. And she's like, no, his name is John. And they don't believe her, so they ask the mute man, which is hilarious. And the mute man calls for something to write on. Well, he's been mute for nine months. He's decided he's fine with naming him John. I think I'll agree with God. Here's my time to show the angel I believe you now. And he writes john and when you read the story it says that everyone left their house and the whole hill country do you hear me the entire region is talking about what's coming out of that house they named him john i don't know how bad it's got for you and how strange your child is but the whole city hasn't been talking about your house (laughs) it's not been that bad it's just not been that bad. The whole hill country is talking about, that's a strange one coming out of that house. Can you imagine when they saw him in camel hair eating bugs? <laughs> Another lady who just, just was faithful to her assignment to be a mom is Mary. We all know Mary. I want to read this because it'll be better if I read it. Mary, she's a teenager. She's not known for anything significant other than carrying, birthing, housing, and raising, and then following Jesus. She moved when the angel said move, even in the middle of the night. She gave birth, not in a nice house, not in a nice hospital, in an animal shelter. She raised her baby for the first little bit. She laid him in a manger, which is where animals eat from. You know this. But we read it and we pass over it and we forget. Put yourself giving birth in a barn. Wrapping your baby in leftover cloths you found laying around and saying, Come by and visit. We're in the back in the barn. (laughs) Where's your baby? In the manger. She lived with the reputation of disdain her entire life. Everyone that looked at her that did not have a revelation of the virgin Messiah being born looked at her and thought, she keeps telling everyone that's God's kid. We all know she got pregnant. She almost lost her fiancé. She had no reputation, but that was her purpose. And she's noted for it. Something else I had never seen before that Mary is noted for that actually... Hundreds of songs and sonatas and poems and works of art have been noted for was Mary's response. The Magnificat. Anybody ever heard of that before? Anybody ever go at Christmas time to listen to a bunch of people sing in a very high, shaky voice, and you had no idea what they were saying? They were saying what Mary said in Luke. When she responded and she exalted the Lord from a place we know she could not have understood And she said, so be it to me, as you've said. Her praise and her response in the most difficult invitation to destiny in her entire life is recorded and is still being sung 2,000 plus years later. It's important how you respond to invitations from the Lord. It's really, really important. It's really important for your children to see you say, I don't understand this, but I know he's good, and my answer is yes. They see you complain. Some of you throw themselves on the floor because you do the same in a grown-up version. I did it two weeks ago. Still not over the shame of it. It's fine. Broke a couple dishes. It's fine. (laughs) Washed in blood. Hallelujah. I just couldn't understand why no one was washing the dishes so I just I just got a little bit frustrated none of you've never done that fine (laughs) I want to talk to you about one more I love this because she's not even named in Judges chapter 13 and we won't read it for time's sake four more minutes I'm awesome I'm going to do this okay In Judges chapter 13, we see Samson's father, Manoah, and it says that he um, is married to a woman. The woman doesn't have a name, but the angel does appear to the woman. And he says this to her. He says, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing, for behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, and the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, say from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. It goes on to say she she uh, tells Manoah what what she has heard, and that she perceives this is a man who was sent from God. I never caught this before. But I always knew that Samson couldn't drink and Samson couldn't cut his hair. What I missed was that God gave her instruction. Listen, you're about to carry something holy and I need you to adjust your lifestyle. You can't eat certain things and you can't drink certain things because from the womb, I need to consecrate him. I knew Samson had to be consecrated And that's an entirely assignment to try to tell somebody, no, 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 this is what God said you are. Stop doing that. Don't play with that. This is what God said you are. But she had to start with herself. I'm going to lay down my choices and my desires to get in line with God's plan about this baby I'm carrying. And so I just want to call to you. I want to challenge you. Moms, what are you consecrating your children to? What are you training them for? Who are you telling them they are? What things do you say, no, we're not going to touch that? Not because of a law, not because of religion, not because the pastor said not to, but because I know you're called to this, and I know I have to set you apart for this, that you'll never touch this, you'll never see this, because I know what you're carrying. And I'm sorry you may feel like you're wearing camel's hair and eating bugs in front of everybody and weird and standing out. But one day when you're making declaration that turns the heads of a nation, you'll understand why I had to guard your ear gates and guard your eye gates and make sure you didn't play and do everything that everybody else is doing. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about making your children miserable. I'm talking about consecration and specifically training them for destiny and purpose. How intentional are we at it? Moms, dads? We're intentional to get them to soccer practice. We're intentional to make sure they're fed three meals a day. We're intentional to make sure their teeth are brushed. We will kill ourselves going to five other sports involved in school. What's it setting them up for? Are you wasting your time with a bunch of busy activities, or are you pouring in what they need for their assignment? Because they may not get it from you, but they will have to get it from someone. And you are just delaying the inevitable. I've said this for years. My prayer is that, God, my kids won't have to grow up and get counseling. I just thought, God, if I can just get them to adulthood without requiring counseling... I mean, I'll feel like I did a good job. Now I'm kind of like, it's fine. They can have counseling. <laughs> I know some powerful counselors. <laughs> but what I don't want to do is delay their assignment. I guarantee you some of them are going to need counseling. But I hope I haven't delayed their assignment. Because I didn't tell them who they were. When they leave my house, when John left his house, he consecrated himself. And when they asked John, who are you? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? You know what he says? He gives the answer that his parents gave him. More importantly, he gives the answer his father gave him. What are you telling them? What are you consecrating them to? In a world where everything is case, Sarah Sarah and they'll be fine, who are you telling them they are? And for those of you that feel like I did in throes of motherhood with five little ones and felt like I'm never going to hit the mark, I'm just going to be at home all the days of my life, and that was fine. I had prayed for that. I had dreamed for that but there was still more inside of me. For those of you that feel like you're stuck and all you do is change diapers and all you do is cook meals and all you do is run errands, see the divine purpose in that you're raising nation changers, whatever that looks like for them. Whether they're the one that's hiding out, making sure this one makes it, or they're the one in front. Don't be discouraged in your assignment as moms. It's not all up to you, but our partnership with God is real important to get them where they need to get. To make sure that we have a nation that is fearfully serving God. You're a part of that. You're absolutely a part of that. And your role is significant. I want to pray for you today, and then I want to dismiss you. Gosh, what a beautiful time of ministry we had earlier. Please go home and ponder that. Write that down. Make sure you rehearse that truth today. Father, I just thank you for every family that's in this room. I thank you for every bloodline that's represented. I thank you, God, that there are bloodlines in this room that carry the significance that is the same as Jacob's. That everywhere they can trace DNA, that family's found serving you, knowing you, declaring who you are. And I just pray that over every bloodline in the room, over every last name, over every family unit. I just declare in Jesus' name, when you look down and the history of their life is written, that you would see, as you saw in Jacobeth and the line of Aaron, a household who knew you as Lord and Savior, who declared you to be so in the earth, and who faithfully followed you because they loved you. I pray today that you would breathe hope and life and strength and courage and purpose, just a reminder of the divine purpose of what being a mother is to every mother in the room, to every tired mother, to everyone that feels like they're not sleeping and they never know what normal is again, they may never have friends again, they may never dream again. I just curse and combat every lie in Jesus' name, and I declare that motherhood is not to take away but is the most fulfilling assignment in the earth. I pray that you would put godly friends in their path, that they would connect with godly family, that they would connect with women who will join them in making declaration over their children, who will fight with them when they're in the battle over making declaration of who their children really are. I pray that, God, you would strengthen husbands to see wives and wives to see husbands. I pray for households to have moms and dads, moms who nurture, dads who are strong, all that the mom and the dad bring to the table. I pray that they would work together and stop complaining about. About what one does and what one does not. I pray they would come together and work together and be intentional about raising nation changers. I pray for those in the room today who may feel like, well, I'm a single mom and I'm a single dad and I have to be both. No, you don't. You'd be you, you consecrate yourself, and I pray that, God, you would raise up voices of fathers and voices of mothers in that family's life. They cannot be more than they are, and you never expected or asked them to. So I ask that your redemptive work would step in in the middle of broken situations in this room today and that you would faithfully mother and father these children and you would call them into divine purpose in Jesus' name. I pray for every yoke that society has put on mom, that it always has to be clean and it always has to be in order and I always have had my act together and if I don't look like I'm winning 100% of the time, then I must be failing. God, I thank you that you know how to teach us how to be our children's mother and no one else can do it better than I can even though I fall on my face. I am perfectly equipped because of who you are to parent my children. And I refuse, and we refuse today as mothers to partner with that lie. We just say, God, we give you the fruit of our womb. We ask that, God, you'd raise them up and you would release them to hit the targets over wherever you've placed them, that they would not miss the mark and they would fulfill every purpose, every thought, every dream you had when you knit them in our wombs. We declare it so in Jesus' name. Can you say, so be, it? so be it? Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.